three beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Ah, you gave your right name this time. I did. I'm opposed to some fake name that you want to go with today. I don't have peer pressure next to me. I'm easily gullible. <laughs> was it Colin that pushed you to do that, was it? <laughs> Colin is most definitely the arsehole involved in this podcast thing. On the way. Um, but Matt, what are you drinking tonight? Lemonade. Lemonade. Um, nice. You, really, you do make a mockery of this Three Beers and a Movie thing, don't you? I do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I had my last week. Last week going to drinking, this week back to the next sober. two months, no drinking, and then you go back to drinking in a month's time. <laughs> um, I'm drinking something called 60 Degrees North from Lerwick Brewery, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. It's very tasty. And after that, I'm moving on to AMPM from Thornbridge, which we drank last week as well, but I very much liked it, so I will be having it on it again. Um, but once again, at the Raven, as we as we always are, because no one else will have us. Um, and we're going to talk about the movies that we've seen this week or not seen this week, in some people's case, maybe. Um, to start off with, as always, with the non cinema viewing, Barry, what have you watched this week and not at the cinema? Uh, I finished the. Uh, oh, did you finish with the Wild Wild Country, was it called? Or the the one about the cult, what was it called? Yeah, yeah, Wild Wild Country. Did you, did you finish that? I finished that. It is intense. Intensely good. Uh, and it's good that <coughs> the law finally caught up with them all. Because uh, as the story goes on and on, it turns out that the woman who's in charge is not the main cult guy. She starts trying to poison people. Yeah, 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 I remember, yeah, remember the story. Uh, so it's good that even though they all try and bounce to like other countries and all that, they do all. They're about retribution throughout yeah. it all. But and then, to be fair, she does serve her time, but then she, once she serves her time, she is quickly back on a plane and straight back to Sweden, where Sweden doesn't recognise. Um, the law, I don't know the actual name for the law, but it's when if other evidence turns up for a crime, you can't be. They have continual double jeopardy rock law. Right, okay. You can't be redone for the same crime, yeah, regardless yeah. of how much evidence is put in place. So they, as long as you do your original time, they recognise that, and then that's you get a free sentence. Does that mean if you rob a bank, you can't rob, you rob another bank and you won't get done for it, or because you rob a different bank, you'd have a different crime? It'd be a different crime. crime right. They see it as if more evidence turns up, like say, 10 years down the line, like after your initial prison case uh, time, you've not, it, turns, it comes to light through DNA that you've murdered more people, they won't recognise that as because you have done your time for that crime, the original crime. So I don't know what you call that in the legal scale. Maybe double jeopardy, I think it might be called, but I'm not entirely sure. And I uh, just remembered something else that I watched. What did you watch? I don't know what season number it is. Maybe eight. It's the latest season of the uh, Archer. I finally went to watch. Oh, it. nice! That's the one. It's the one. It's Dreamland. Dreamland one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very funny. It is actually really good. Yeah. The, the previous season, the kind of Miami Vice. One. I liked Miami Vice one as well. It was okay. Was it that one or was it the one before that? I watched a lot of seasons like back to back, and then I took some time away. Yeah. There was one of them that I thought was a bit of a kind of lull. I can't remember what it was now, uh, but no, the Dreamland one was really, really good. funny. I genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's, one of, it's annoying that it's been off air for a while now. Like, yeah, it's been, yeah. Maybe 18 months it's been off since that came out. Um, we are missing Archer. I think I'm very much looking forward to Archer coming back at some point. I think it must be due to come back. It should be, but then maybe what happened with Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty took about two or three years to come back between seasons. So, yeah. um, I think when we first got into Archer, we were already like four seasons deep, wasn't the time we got into it. Mm-hmm. So, it felt like we watched the fourth season, then the fifth season came out, uh-huh. and then it was the next one. So, it felt like it was a constantly rolling thing. But now it's sort of like, oh, now you're up to date with it. It's like you've got to wait for it to catch up with you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually, it's still fantastically funny. 
It's on a channel, isn't it? It's not a Netflix exclusive. It's on FX. It's on FX, yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. Netflix exclusive. That's correct, yeah. That's uh, maybe why, like, we got it like four seasons deep. Yeah, because yeah. I used to appear for us one day, and we yeah. all kind of get into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's definitely the case with that one. Anything um, else you watched? The only other thing, which is, this is just not movie related yeah, at all, is, um, is the first two episodes of Meet Mafia, which was a BBC drama type thing going on. Right. But, uh, so far, really good. So far enjoyable. Um, it's all about kind of drug dealing and money laundering and kind of Russians and all that kind of thing. They kind of, it is a slow bubble, the first episode. Sorry, Jill just got like a bit of apple pie, it's like the biggest bit of apple pie I've ever seen in my life. Look at it, it's like an absolute wedge of apple pie. And also looking a lot like Glencoe. Yes. Covering of ice yeah, we can put a picture over there on, but that is a massive wedge of apple pie. Well done to Raven for giving proper slices of apple pie out. Um, McMafia. It is a slow burner, so stick with it. Like, not a lot happens in the first episode, it kind of picks up a little bit. So it's a drama, it's not a documentary? No, no, it's, no, it's a, a documentary. It's a drama. Aye, aye, proper drama. Okay. Um, I don't know, it's maybe loosely based on... I know, I'm assuming it's based on, but it's not a... Because the big thing right now is sort of like the, the documentary, long-running documentary series, that's kind of that thing that's in this now. No, so, uh, and it must be real. like, we have, we have recorded it all, so it's all sitting there for us, um, but I do know it has been rushed out on DVD and I'm assuming Blu-ray. Right, okay. Which I think it only really means it must be really popular. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it, yeah. Because it was only on at the turn of the year, oh. and now it's out on... I think that as well as what the thing is now, people don't like to watch things on a day to day basis, they want to binge it. Like, how often do you watch a show week to week? It's so rare. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's binging shows, you know, that's the thing. Even like BBC's been forced to release shows all as one go almost now. You, make, you, if, you can watch it week to week if you want, but if you've got, say, Sky on Demand yeah. or something like that, you can watch it on one go if you want. It's, it's the, the idea of prestige television that you watch at a certain time on a certain day year in or week in week out is now sort of kind of gone I think I think it's just that way you can't because you know you can binge watch things I think it's one of those I think uh, well, for me anyway I know it's a right I'm off this particular day I've not really got a lot of plans for me doing some set I'm going to catch up with a lot yeah. of things because a lot of times through the course of the week like, because of the subject matter of Mike Mafia, I think it was like a 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock show. Yeah. So, a lot of time I'm getting ready and going to work, work at that yeah. point. Or, if you're a normal human being, go to bed. You're pretty much getting ready, ready to bed. go to bed. So, right. you're not going to sit there and watch a drama that well, the first episode ended in a cliffhanger and the second one kind of left it. Oh. No, I get much the same. Like, when it comes to watching, particularly watching TV, there's a few things I watch week to week because I enjoy watching them week to week. You know, I watch like, all the DC shows. Um, but things like. You know the big shows like Game of Thrones and like all that kind of stuff. I'll not. I can't be honest with that. It just seems like too much an effort. To try. I'll just I'll tape it and then I'll get to it whenever I get to it. And that's what I look forward to. I'll get like from the example of a week off in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. I know for a fact that maybe there's three of those days I'm off for the week where we won't do anything. All we'll do is just rattle some stuff on the. Um, the DVR, like, you know, like we're going to clear out season one of this, season two of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch this, this, and this. We're going to get all that stuff out of the way, and that'll be our day. You know, like our, this is how bad it is. Our Skybox is like almost maxed out, like within like half a week. Like we all, we always need to stay on top of. Just, you've got at least three or four shows. You stay on three or four shows, and that keeps it enough space yep. in it. Yeah, yeah, and it's always just have you watched this yet? You need to sit and watch that yeah. and get rid of the daily stuff or the cat. Uh-huh. episode stuff to make space because yeah, no. we have that much stuff saved we're the same like, any, like if particularly coming up in the next like week or so uh, the hockey playoffs start so we would tape in like maybe like four games a night to watch them when I'm off 
and they take up like an app. They take up like ten percent each on your Skybox. So they're like, they're like four hour broadcast, all HD, run forever, and it's like just it's huge. So you've got to cut them off first. That you get them off first, and he's like, well, wait, watch it. Like I can watch two shows. You've got to keep on top of that constantly. Keep it going. But yeah, like in this, I'm saying uh, public will work, and you earlier on today. I think now with particularly with television, we've reached a saturation point where now more stuff bypasses us. And we watch, no matter how good it is, somebody might tell you this show is an amazing show, but you just go, I'm not gonna, I don't have the time to watch it, I just have to just let it slide. Yeah, what was that other uh, space one that Netflix brought out, Vault of Carbon? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I watched the first couple of episodes, never really connected with it, uh, but I've kind of just let it go yeah. rather than sticking with it because I'm like, right, I need to kind of watch something yeah. else. But I might come back round to it. Yeah, we're in a position where we've not got kids, we've not got any that kind of stuff, yeah. so we, our time is a bit more flexible, we can watch what we want, when we want it. And yeah. So we can we can do that. People who've got kids and have like even more limited free time, they're gonna give up on something very quickly. If the first two episodes don't do it for them, yeah. it's like, well, I'm ditching it. I'm gonna move on to something with far better quality. And, if yep. it, and that's the, that's the, the risk people take. And, we're, and people will wait for the binge shows that way because it means they've got a choice of I watch these two, next shit, ditch that, next show. Yeah, first two are good. I'll keep going with it for a wee while. Oh, well, the other thing that happens as well is wait for like if it blows up in the mainstream media or there's enough hype around it wait eight years then they'll come back round to it I mean it's like yeah. five box sets out then they'll yeah. watch it yeah which is I think that's how I'm doing like I'm watching a few shows going like that looked like uh, well it's not welcome back is it Better Call Saul yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that might get five seasons, maybe, give or take. Uh-huh. I'll probably wait for it to finish, then I'll just maybe buy the box set. Yeah. Like, like, like I'd be Breaking Bad, just wait for it to finish, then I'll just buy the box set in one go, and I'll just watch it all when I get a chance to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you can watch some interesting television. The only thing I've watched yeah. out with um, the cinema is, again, no movies at home, but I've watched the, started watching the second season of Lemony Snicket's series of Unfortunate Events on I Netflix. On, I keep on seeing that, but I have never watched the season. As a TV show walker. It's most definitely it's very good. It's very enjoyable. I wasn't a huge fan of the movie. Okay. The movie's okay, but not great. This is a lot more time to it. And basically, the first season is basically the movie, but over eight episodes, I think, isn't it, roughly? Yeah. This season's now um, ten episodes, I think. So every book is two episodes. Right. And the books are, they've got enough content to justify that, but not enough to make it more longer than that. Um, but yeah, I was really, really funny, really, really strong cast. You've got like Neil Patrick Harris playing the, the, the Count Olaf, the main uncle in it. Mm-hmm. You've got like Patrick Warbikins playing the um, Lemony Snicket. This season's got like Nathan Fillion in it. It's got Sarah Rue in it, who I love. Uh, it's also got people like who else? Um, turned up in it? The guy from Rest Development, the, the the idiot brother, whose name I keep forgetting. Now you know what he plays. The, he's in it. You know who he is, can you see him? Yeah, yeah. Billy, Billy Collins in Or Billy Collins in the movie, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just really good, really good support cast. They're only in it for like two episodes at a time, most of them, apart from the three kids and Count Olaf. The rest of them are all in it for the movie one. And the, count, the banker as well, we more. But other than that, everyone's in it for two episodes, so they can get some really good cast members when you just fill just do a two, two episode run and then they leave. Is so, this. Is there like a big run of books? Yeah, I think there's something like you said about 12, 12 books. Yeah. Okay. So by episode 10, I think we're on book 60, we're on book, we'll be on about book 8 or 9, I think, give or take, how it goes. So there could in theory be another season of it, like it'll finish it all off. And where they go after that, 
not really sure they're going to continue on with more adventures or not. I don't really know. But if you look for something kind of, I'm not, not going to say disposable, but that sounds mean to say about that. But is it kid orientated? No, it is. But there's a lot of stuff in it for adults as well. Right, like, okay. you, like kind of jokes you, the kids, the adults will get and stuff like that. So it's definitely, a, it's definitely a family show. Okay. But it, there's a lot of darkness to it. There's, like, there's a dark kind of nature to it, um, and there's a kind of there's a funniness to it. Definitely, definitely kind of dark kind of humour through it. And it's really, it's really good watch. I really enjoyed. It. We watched. I think we watched the first season like one day, didn't we? We sort of rattled through it in one day. This season we'll kind of do a bit more time on, we'll get more and more on. But yeah, it's still very funny, really enjoyable, and a good kind of make it the perfect bank holiday view. You know what okay. I mean? You can sit and watch it all bank holiday weekend. Yeah, yeah. Really good. So that's we just finished the bank holiday. Yes, which is when we started. That's when we started watching it. Yep. Um, so yeah, really good, really good to watch. Uh, but we want to movies. So you've not seen much this week, you've said. No, it's only been a one movie. Affair. One movie affair this week. Um, I've been. Slightly better than that, I've been three, so we'll battle through a couple of the early ones, then we'll go on to the one we've both seen, um, and we'll talk at length about that one. <coughs> so the first movie I saw this week was a film called Isle of Dogs. I imagine, I, I want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, directed by Wes Anderson, the guy who did stuff like Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, Rushmore, and for the sake of this film, because of the style of the film, he did a film called Fantastic Mr Fox. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the plot of this film is essentially Japanese archipelago has outlawed dogs because of a kind of cat-friendly government in place. Essentially, the dogs are spreading, are spreading a sort of flu virus, so all the dogs get um, exiled to a place called Trash Island. Trash Island, it's called. Yeah, yeah. And they get dumped there. This one dog gets put there, so the boy goes to try and rescue his dog, and he befriends all the dogs, and they help him find it. And it's basically the story of him trying to find his dog and the overall kind of political plot of the government trying to get this total killing all dogs agenda in place. Um, that's the basic plot of the film. Uh, in the film you've got a lot of um, Wes Anderson's normal um, cast. You've got guys like Edward Norton, uh, Brian Cranston, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, Greta Gerwig. Tons of, it's a, you've seen the trailer, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's a massive cast. Like everyone's got like just this huge cast, and people you're like, oh my god, that's like a because a lot of people only do like maybe a couple of lines in the show, but they still get a, a credit for it. Um, I'm not a Wes Anderson fan. Like I don't like his other stuff. Have you seen much of it? No, I, I haven't seen much of it, and I, I don't really understand the hype around him, especially like online. There seems to be like this like. Love affair with him. Well, I mean, I've got a friend uh, who's been on the podcast before, Stu, who loves Wade Anderson. I think he's, he's amazing. Yeah. I have really no time for Wade Anderson whatsoever, but people who like him really love him. The same way, like I like, like I love the Kevin Smith, for example, yeah, yeah. or the Combrock. If you someone who speaks to your language and speaks to your mindset, you get right behind him. And for me, Wade Anderson doesn't speak to that that mindset for me. Um, but in saying that, the one film of his I did really like was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, yeah, I did enjoy that as well. It's a lot of fun that film, and this is the animation is fantastic. In this film, and it's actually a step up from Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's so, it's so beautiful, it's so well done. It's at times really simple, but at times really detailed as well. So yeah, it makes yeah. it it's really subtle, but it's really it's so much. Some of the sort of wide shots almost looks sort of like um, looks like real life. Like it sort of looks like photo real. Because yeah, yeah. it just some some of these are like there's a bit where you go by like a truck stop, and all the trucks are suddenly lying there like, like a coke can. You go that's such an intricate detail to have that line there that like, that makes it. Feels so much more real than yeah, what you yeah. expect. Ah, it's just like the little, little details, details make it the one. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, so I love the animation of it. Voice cast are all good because they're all great. The good actors, they all know how to deliver these lines and they all, yeah. and they all know how to do well. Um, but no one ever really stands out as the sort of the star element of the film. Good. You've got like um, probably Brian Cranston, probably the biggest guy in it. He's like sort of he plays the main dog in it. Yeah, yeah. But even he, like, he's not. 
it's not like I would say like a, like a you could you could clearly market this film based on the fact that you get people on it like this, but you can market it without going people on the film and it'd be the same film. You're not like going, Oh my god, that's Brian Cranston, oh my god, that's Jeff Cobham. You're not like sort of waiting for their voice or anything like that. Yeah. They just happen to be the voice of the animals. You are totally agree. It kinda gives it a nice kind of feel to it, it kinda of keeps it more grounded and Absolutely. rather than like you said, trying to sell a movie on the merits of the film. Brian Cranston, blah blah blah, all the way yeah. down the last, you know. And also it this it seems to be getting pictures of a kid's movie. Well, I was actually going to bring that up because I did pass a billboard today coming in, and it is like the billboard. It does kind of portray it as a kids' movie because it's like the all the dogs, and then it's just like the the name of the movie, oh. and you're kind of a bit like that. I would take that as a kids movie if I didn't know what it was and just took my kids along I would assume that as a kids movie I would say it's absolutely not a kids film yeah yeah I have heard that yeah it's um, the narrative's quite confusing because it jumps back and forth in time at times which obviously kids might not follow yeah there's whole bits of it where there's, there's Japanese getting spoken but there's no subtitles you're getting it from tone and feeling and maybe he'll be looking at something uh-huh. and from that you understand what he's saying but kids are not going to get that so maybe even maybe really young kids will like it because they can just see the pretty good the cool dogs and they'll be happy with that any kid who like of a certain age well I think will get bored of it and yeah. soon I was in we definitely heard murmurings about half hour into the film of kids just not really buying into it ah, yeah. you know like, when like I don't, they're not really getting it you know there's other kids films out there like Duck Duck Goose and Peter Rabbit the kids might be better going to see but they are definitely more kid friendly it's more linear it's, it's not chopping and changing, changing it's, yeah, it's simple um, there's a big thing about all the cultural appropriation of it and stuff like that which I didn't see any issue with at all watching the film um, it does seem very much like people taking offence on people's behalf and not actually understanding people actually are offended by it of course of course as it pretty much always is it's always the way it's always the way um, I can maybe see people anyone who is of Japanese heritage who watched the film and found offensive to it would love to hear like why they found it offensive but obviously I'm not Japanese so I can't understand why people would be offended by it but if you were that would be good to know why but I just didn't see anything that I think could be portrayed as offensive in the same way that I don't think Kill Bill is, a pro- is um, offensive to people of Japanese culture, you know, or something like, but I would think something like Pearl Harbor is far more offensive, yeah. you know, because more portrayed Japanese as sort of like the, the warmongering nation and you know, stuff like that, you know, so I definitely, or even like a Godzilla film now, sort of like, you know, the, some of the Godzilla stuff is very much like it's Japan's fault type thing, so I didn't see anything in it that felt to me was sort of like culturally, like some culturally insensitive, um, and I did very much feel that people getting offended on others' behalf, which annoys me. Uh, yeah. yeah. I have ranted before. You've ranted before on this about yeah. So like, keep calm over yeah. Here. But, so, uh, but definitely, yes. I think it's definitely totally worth seeing. Uh-huh. Don't take it. Don't see it with kids. Yeah, it's yeah. not a kids film. Yeah. Um, I, I'll give it a seven out of ten. Which I think so. I really enjoyed it. Definitely not as good. I didn't think it was good as Fantastic Mr. Fox, but definitely better than any other. I love uh, um, Wes Anderson film I've seen and that's because I'm not a huge fan of him but I know people do love Wes Anderson may not see it in the same light but I definitely really enjoyed it cool. yeah, sure. you should try and get to yeah. see it it was on the schedule for today but sadly I slept because so. <laughs> you, you have a stupid you do stupid hours so you have to sleep at some point <laughs> and drinking coffee like it also is it's sort of, in this film the music's so lovely and sort of sweet and innocent yeah, yeah. and sort of really lyrical and really sort of rhythmic um, that if you were to go to this film kind of feeling semi-tired yeah. I reckon you would go to sleep not, not, not in a bad way it's sort of nice it mumbles ah, along it's yeah, lovely yeah. sort of visuals and it sort of feels very calming very smooth and ah, yeah. it's just sort of a nice film that way so if you're not 100% alert and awake maybe not this one we're going to see you know, it's, it's, it's going to lull you nicely to sleep Back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so probably think you'd end the film just snoring away. So yeah, make sure you go to sleep and you've had a couple of coffees in you. Yeah. yeah. Um, the second film I saw. Yeah. Is a film called Journeyman. Okay. Or Journeyman. 
I don't know much about this movie. I can read the slight synopsis, so but I haven't watched the trailer. Yeah. So directed by Paddy Constantine, uh-huh. uh, Constantine, sorry, who directed the film called Tyrannosaur. Also, he is acting in the film as well as the main actor. Basically, it's the um, story of a guy who's like a he's a boxer who has one last fight to prove that he is the world champion because in the previous fight he won it on a, de- on a sort of default situation um, during the fight he wins the fight yay but he also has a brain injury and then the rest of the film is sort of just him and his family and his friends dealing with this man changing from being the sort of life and soul of, the, of their group of friends and family to basically a guy shuffled around with the, the total you know thousand yards stare doesn't know what's going on and he sort of doesn't understand the world and it's, just, and it's that kind of it's just the story of him trying to come to terms with and people around him trying to come to terms with you know who this new man is no definitely not definitely not um, so we Paddy Constantine is playing like the main guy he's playing the, the main boxer you've got Jodie Whittaker who is now the new Doctor Who I think Okay. she's playing his wife uh, you've also got a guy called Anthony Wells playing one of his friends and Tony Pitts is playing I think no Anthony Wells playing the boxer he fights so you get to see his story as well um, and Anthony Tony Pitts is playing sort of his best friend so they're two really good actors in as well but the main sort of focus of the film is on Paddy and Jodie Whittaker playing the sort of the husband and wife coupling um, I'm not a boxing fan. Like I don't like boxing at all. Okay. Which is because I like ice hockey, which is really violent. I think it, I think the problem with boxing is the hype is at least nowadays the hype is now better than the actual sport. That is true. Yeah, and also, and I feel like also I don't boxing annoys me because it's like sort of like this idea of um, go and hurt that man. Like why? Um, I don't get it. Nowadays as well, a lot of the time it's not like the old days where it was like hell for leather, like I'm going for the knockout. A lot of the time it's people just sitting there for, for 12 rounds trying to score points. points yeah. And if you get the guy down, it's a bonus, and you're yeah. like, well, at that stage, just let them wear like helmets and yeah. all that, and like let them like like amateur style. Aye. Right. So it's like Olympic boxing. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, so not oh, a big yeah, box, yeah, not yeah. not a big box fan, but I do love boxing films. Mm. Like I really love like obviously I love Rocky. Um, I like the film Southpaw, enjoyed that film as well. I really like Creed as well. Oh, I love Creed, an amazing movie. Uh, <coughs> Raging Bull. Yep. Like boxing films generally, I do really enjoy a boxing story. There's that one as well, Cinderella Man, the one with Russell yeah, Crowe. Yeah, yeah. Great boxing story as well. Like, I love, I actually generally do love a lot of boxing films, just don't like the sport itself. Yeah. It's weird, it's weird. Um, this is not really a boxing film. The boxing is sort of the main framework of what happens. Yeah. The rest of the film is like sort of the human interest story of like him. The family and the, the friendship. Um, as you can imagine, Paddy Constantine is a fantastic actor. He's been in so much. You know, he's, he is the, the North De Niro. You know, he's a North of England De Niro, so he is. He's that good. You know, his wife played uh, Julie Whittaker playing his wife. She is also phenomenal because you get in this story of like you know they have the the, the the injury happens. He's unwell, and it's him trying to live a life and her trying to understand her husband as a man again. You know, it's like so so. He has the same kind of desires that he has as a husband and wife type thing. Yeah, yeah. And she also has the same. She's only very young, so she's only like in her thirties. So she has the same kind of desires as, as for her husband. You know, so they want to have sex, they want to do things, but they can't because or, they, or they, it's weird because it, it starts this whole different dynamic in it and stuff like that. And it's like there's a bit when um, they've just had sex and then later on he wants to do it again. And she's like, no, we're not doing it now. It's like it's not when it's just when you want it's when when, when I want it as well. And something and it's just the way the scene unfolds is so brutal, it's so horrible. And there's another scene where they have a baby that's crying and stuff. It's a really horrible, heartbreaking scene. But you totally see where it comes from. You sort of see this development of these two characters and sort of like then try to understand who they were, who they are now, and how you deal with that life that you you, you probably had your life planned out for you in some way. Ah, yeah. And this thing happens, 
it just totally shatters any future like what you had like, planned out for stuff. Um, it's only 92 minutes, it's long, brief, which is a bit of a shame because I think it's, although the bits are quite slow and it sort of builds stuff, it shows that everything happens very quickly. So you get to the end and you're thinking, alright, that was over the course of like two years, it's like, oh no, so a few weeks ago they're missing one, like that happened a few weeks ago, it felt the recovery of what elements of recovery you had happened way too quickly, whereas I know most brain injuries take a long, long time to sort of any sort of semblance of normality. It felt this all kind of took place in a bit too short a time span, which why that may be the director's choice and the writer's choice is that's what he wants to do. But it, to me, it felt like it, it felt a little bit quick. It felt like it was on fast forward. And I wish that it maybe a bit slower. And I don't often say it, but I would have happily sat there for an extra half hour. That is a, it's a rare thing. Yeah. Because a lot of time we're sitting there going, oh, they can't cut half a 40 minutes off of this. Yeah. But I, it's, it's rare to see you guys. You know, I'd, I'd rather spend another half hour just to see the story unfold a little bit more and see where it would go. Um, but it's still, definitely still. It's like a good compliment. Yeah. And it's, it's maybe one of the things get out before people are forcing you out. You know, end, we don't want more. Yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with that whatsoever. Um, but still, a fantastic viewing. It's not going really to do massive money because it's not a kind of film that does massive money, but you'll find it on Netflix probably in about six months' time or even in film four because it is a film four production. So when you get a chance to watch it, it's, it's a lovely film to watch. It really is. It's such a heartwarming, touching story. Oh. Um, so you definitely watch it. I give it, again, seven out of ten. Oh. It's a really cool, really enjoyable, enjoyable films. Um, oh. So yeah, so they're, they're out of seven minutes now. And that's all I saw apart from what I've been waiting to talk for about for about. Two weeks now. I feel the lunatic that runs off and goes and sees like the preview preview screenings. I have to see it. This time I had to see. Um, so this film is Ready Player One. Um, directed by Steven Spielberg. Who I'm not going to tell you what he directed because he directed everything. Thank you, Pedro. He's up and coming, I believe. But he's yeah, uh, but he's doing well for himself. You know, <laughs> he hasn't just simply defined cinema for the past fifty years. No, it's not that. It's not that guy. Uh, <laughs> So the plot of the film is essentially it's sort of like a Charlie Chocolate Factory type film where a guy has left his fortune for this sort of virtual world. Sorry, just to interrupt. Yeah. Just to make the because we're going to be cutting back and forth. Yeah. Both of us have read the book. read the book, and we also may spoil the shit out of this film. So if you've not seen it, maybe wait. Maybe yeah. wait. Because the stuff I want to talk about that I, that I love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you maybe maybe there's a few spoils in this and a sort of review of it. Um, so Sorry, basically, the Charlie Chocolate Factory world where. The creator of this sort of virtual world that everyone joins in has died, he's left his entire fortune and control of the virtual world to whoever can solve these series of clues. Yes. Um, that then starts, everyone in the world is looking for these clues. You have a massive, massive corporation looking for the clues because they want to basically run run it and, monet- and monetize it, like, you know, turn it into like, the Facebook and stuff like that, where everything's advertisable and everything's because up for sale. Because the whole entire world has gone to shit and so a lot of people to escape reality they go into what is called yeah. the oasis yeah. so that is what people want that yeah. is a life people would it say people come for what they can do but stay for what they can be or something that's sort of the, the quote or something, yeah, sort of something like that yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got a cracking cast you've got a guy called Ty Sheridan who is a Cyclops in the new X-Men yep like him you've got Olivia Cook in it as well yeah, she yeah. is from Me, Earl and the Dying Girl have you ever seen that film no that was uh, the one we talked about, talk about that one <laughs> um, she's actually, she actually British she's just has a great American accent you don't even know and you've got Ben Mendelsohn playing good bad guy like a good bad guy he plays bad very well and you've got Matt Rylance playing the um, Augie he's sort of the guy who started the Oasis and he's doing it <laughs> you get Simon Pegg as well yes popping up which I didn't I, I only discovered that um, like a, a few hours before I went and see yeah. it because I happened to uh, 
No, it was in the cinema because I'd like to be there nice and sharp because uh. really the only time that I see trailers is in the cinema. <coughs> and not how they do that kind of weird like, interview a star thing usually before. Oh, you don't get a but yeah, I know some cinemas do that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't even know he was in it. And then, so most of the movie I was sitting there going, when Simon turned it up, yeah. and then he just gets a wee stint at the end. Well, he's in it, he's in it kind of all the way through it deeply. He's, he's in it sort of in flashback and stuff all the way through it. Yeah, so you do see him quite a bit, he's in it. Um, and you'll get T.J. Miller playing like sort of the other sort of baddie in it. He's, yeah, yeah. he's, he's, all, he's all CGI for the whole film, though, isn't he? You don't see him in real life. Um, so, what are you? Because you've not talked much, because um, I've been talking all the film scene. What did you think of it? <sighs> oh my god, I didn't like that noise. No, no, actually, it was okay. Well, there's a couple of points. I'll start with the negative first. Right, go with the negative first. What do you, you not like about it? The bad point was, and this was our own fault because the time suited us better, we've seen it in 3D. Cool. It's not worth the 3D. It's what I don't know what we paid extra for the 3D, but it wasn't worth it apart from one scene. And I think we both, we both agreed that that was a decent scene to justify it with the, the movie scene. Yeah. Um, 3D, this is the first 3D movie I've seen in years. Yeah. It still adds a weird depth, a feel boringness, yeah. and I just found it awkward to watch no, it. I'm not disagreeing, but I wouldn't, I'd never hold that against a film being in 3D no. because it's not the film's fault. Oh. Yeah, so you just you chose to see it in 3D. Yes. Um, I can't really, I don't think maybe maybe a couple of films that I've seen in 3D that I generally just thought the 3D gave it a different dimension. Yes. That'd probably be Avatar. Yep. Um, Hugo. Okay. The Scorsese yeah. film. Yeah. Life of Pi as well. Strangely, yeah. done a lot with 3D because Ang Lee and I'm thinking, I'm sure there's another one I've mentioned in the past that I thought 3D done a lot for it. Well, not a lot for it, but added. Give me, give me something that I really actually quite enjoyed about it. That's that's movie. Ghostbusters actually. The new Ghostbusters I've seen a lot with 3D. I enjoyed that 3D. Yeah, that's movie. It doesn't need it. It doesn't need it. It doesn't take away from it. No. But you, your general noise is the fact you paid everybody for 3D and you get nothing for that 3D. Yep. Yeah. From one, one scene. Yeah. Um, I found the pacing of the movie, it, it felt like it was. Um, the moments that it was touching on with the book, I felt overall the pace of the movie was really fast. It didn't yeah. really build a lot of things, especially in the beginning. Like in the mo- uh, sorry, in the book, it builds it builds up the, the main character that he is like really poor. Like he's still using the same VR headset that you get when you go to school. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the people who have got a bit of money, they've all upgraded their own they system. They do show a bit of that, the fact, you know, when he bit. gets some money, he starts to buy this or stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that was the only other real irritation I had with it, uh, was the fact that it kind of galloped through the kind of melting blocks of what I, what I knew as yeah. the story. Like with the, the real woman at the bottom of the... Yeah. When, um, spoils. When, like, when that uh, explosion happens, I found that quite a kind of touching moment in the book yeah. because they two were like really quite close, yeah, yeah, friendly, yeah, yeah. Whereas in the movie, it's just like quite close and boom. Yeah, it's fire. I'm with you on it to an extent to that point, but I get why they don't put it because it is sort of it is extra sort of chowder that maybe will get that you know he's going to get caught eventually because it seems like it doesn't really advance the plot that much. Yep. You can already feel bad from the fact that his house blows up, the fact that he's aunt and uncle and that, his auntie's in the house and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So you get that he's home, so you don't really need to have any sort of real more sort of um, emotion. 
emotional impetus on it. You've already got the fact that he's home, so it does make. And the idea at that point they change the book a little bit. At that point he's in threat of getting killed and stuff like that but in the in the film. So you get why the sort of the tension wraps up. That. You don't really need it more. But yep. I would say this is. I think it's obviously not an exact adaptation of the book, no. which I think is a good thing. Yep. It does take a lot of fire by the book. Yep. Um, and sort of takes ideas the book has to offer. Yep. But I think it elevates them so much better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think I told the book when I finally finished the book, I felt there was a lot of kind of contrivance going on when uh, the fella had written it, where no matter what challenge the main character was coming across, he always had a solution for it. it you never felt like he was in any real danger. You all agree, yeah, yeah. Because he the just book, yeah. rummaged about and found whatever he needed at that time to, like... Do the next, uh-huh. you know. This sort of dev is different because in, in yep. the in the book in the film, sorry, it's not always hidden that solves the puzzles. It's like sometimes it's the um, like the other characters solve the puzzles, and it's so that felt like it was more. Um, it felt it felt more. Uh, what's the word? Uh, I think the word there, kind of thing. Felt more organic in that yeah. way because it felt like it, like you wouldn't always have the right answer for it. These people know the world as much as you do. Um, we can say that now. Um, personally, I thought it was a shit ton of fun. Yes. It's phenomenally good fun. Yes. And like you said, it moves at pace, which yeah. is absolutely fine. It doesn't hang about. It does not. Like, you need, like everybody's like, what I was kind of talking about to say, like, everything you think you've seen, that's the opening in the trailer. That's yeah. 20 minutes. You told me that um, because I had a bit of fear after watching the original trailer that it was going to be spoiler heavy, but discovering that that was the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Minute, minute. Oh, it's so much more. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that that didn't ruin it. Yeah. You know. Like there's literally there's moments in this film where I was just, I was so like biggest smile on the face because I know it's, it is aimed at people like myself, people like you, yeah. who grew up with like loving 80s and 90s kind of culture, pop culture stuff like that. So when you start seeing reference on the screen, you, you do get a kick out of it. And it's, yeah. it's nostalgia, pure nostalgia for your childhood. Yeah. But it totally worked. I'm an absolute sucker. I totally fall for it. It didn't do it in like a sleazy cash in way. It done it. It done it right because of the world that it was in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because. You, like that's what people would do yeah totally Some, yeah. if you had access to everything in the world you would build yourself a DeLorean yeah yeah you'd build yourself an Ecto-1 you'd build yourself like a Mad Max you know the Mad Max V8 you'd build that's what you would do you would want to control King Kong or the Iron Giant or like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park you would want to do that kind of shit of course you would yeah. you'd want to look like the guy from Buckaroo Bonsai you'd want to look like a guy who looks like some kind of weird rocky type figure from like Warcraft that's what everyone would do that's what people, that's what people do do when they get these sort of like Minecraft worlds and like sort of second life places as the three people do so yeah it, it felt I will say it felt not it felt like yeah, it's, it's, it's what people would do people, and right, right now we're all looking at culture like from the release of Star Wars and that kind of stuff coming out we're all looking back to our childhoods yeah yeah these kids, kids are looking back on their childhood or things that they remember as being great from what they didn't see well I think that's if I, if I remember rightly in the book I'm sure he does touch on it that it's set in 2045 uh, that actually having like an 80s um, Revival. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's kind of where it comes from as well, but I do believe it's because the author did grow up then. Oh, yeah, totally. Like that, I, mean, I know everything I like every the films I reference in my life, and I'm like, I caught I was a lot of filming when I'm like sort of doing quotes. It's stuff from the 80s and 90s, you know, I'll, I'll reference things like Jurassic Park on almost daily basis because, like, <laughs> it's what I love. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not going to reference too much stuff from that happened last week because it's not made the same impact. And that's why people love Star Wars because you saw it when they were nine years old yeah, yeah. and it still resonates. And that's, you know, Jurassic Park for us, you know, things like that. It's like, 
it, it resonates with you when you're Indiana Jones and all that kind of stuff. It, it resonates when you're a kid and when you grow up you still want to see it. That's why we're still going to see the same bands yeah. that we saw when we were like 14. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's what you remember being loving when you were 14 and it's, it's that nostalgia part. The bands you see when you're like 35, 30 odd, you like them and you enjoy them, but you go like, it's still not the same punch and the same kick that I absolutely, it's why, I don't understand, it's why we don't understand the same, if some kid loves a band now you go, but they're shit, and it's like, you know, but to him they're not shit, to him they're the, because you hear when he's 14 years old and they're the greatest thing ever, you know, um, so yeah, nostalgia is a massive push. I also like the book as well, the book I thought at times was very heavy handed with like trying to plug the references, yes. whereas this was more aye, subtle, aye. maybe he said posters up somewhere now and again, yep. somebody's walked by the screen, somebody's maybe in a, in a, a, a sweep through, you see, oh that's cool to put that in there, but it's not forcing the issue a lot of the time, you know. Yeah, that was that was I'm sure I said at the time as well that that was my cat my other cat big hatred for the book it, a lot of the references did fail shoehorned in like oh this director or that director or this movie or this thing yeah. maybe if you're doing it on a book you have to do that to maybe because it doesn't really translate well on screen right. but on screen you don't really need to go oh my god that's from Jurassic Park people go right we know right we know where it's from we don't need to be told where it's from or, that's the stuff that we, we know it. we can see it we know where it's from the only thing the only other cat and this is a book I'm minor niggle but it's more for myself was I felt like the movie didn't really it didn't really um, showcase the friendship between the main fella and H and then when the fella discovers that H is actually a girl I felt like that was kind of just like brushed through it was a little bit yeah that I would have liked to have, because that's a major moment yeah. in the book where he's been hanging out and talking to this what he assumes is a guy called yep. H and then and, and then eventually transfers as a girl and then he's pure like ah, um, you know that's the only, the only weakness I thought <coughs> in the film was the third act the stuff yep. in the real world doesn't quite hit as well as the stuff in the VR world I really did not I thought it would be the opposite way around because the VR world might grate on you a little bit um, that scene with Hitler was something like that just didn't quite it didn't really do it in the fall of the book no, it, it didn't really fall of the book it didn't really have the same impact and punch yes, of the book yes. um, but it's a, it's a minor thing for myself how did, how did you feel about the animation? I enjoyed it yeah but I didn't I really had a worry that I'm going to watch it and go it felt so like a VR world for the whole film and go I think it really pissed me off like you know I'm trying to think of an example like the Grinch movie they brought out and like the Polar Express yes yes I felt it might, it might throw me but not actually and, and that was my biggest worry once I embraced that world I'm like no, I'm totally in on this like I have to go into it straight away so I actually really, I actually really liked the, the VR world and I actually found myself more interested in the VR world than I did then about the real world stuff actually which I thought was I did not expect to happen I don't really think there was a lot to kind of talk about with the real world it's um, I think it, the kind of general thought was it's all went to shit and uh, they want to take over the world they want to take over the yeah. industry yeah and uh, yeah I think like I don't think there's a lot I think that's why there wasn't a lot of time spent on it it's just it's about 60-40 yeah about 60-40 but I I really enjoyed the um, the, the yeah, thing yeah. well. Um, Do you think the, anim- the CG is going to age? Nah, I don't think so because I think it's it's in a way that it doesn't look real anyway. Okay. It looks it looks like a a, a virtual world. Which makes it look less fake. Yeah, yeah. If we were trying to go for like photo real, make it look this is the world he's in, and it's just actual actors interacting with like these CGI things. It's not about CGI things interact with CGI things, so right. it looks it holds up better than that. I would say it's always my biggest fear whenever I see movies like this. It's like how's this going to look in five years time? Agreed. And there's so many films I've watched recently where you go, oh, that looks so like so dodgy. Yeah. Um, 
I thought the I like I like the the breakup of the story. I like the whole the three key hunt. Yeah, yeah. That was really good. I thought the first one with the race you seen the trailer was fucking phenomenally fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, the second act, which I don't want to say what it is, because it's a brilliant second act with the horror movie thing. Oh. It was inspired by Spielberg. I don't know. That wasn't the book, was it? No, it no. wasn't. So that. Okay, I didn't want to spoil it too much, and I was trying to think. I was trying to think back when I read the book. Yeah. I was like, "Was that in the book?" And I just feel like glazed over uh-huh. it. But then I was like, "I don't think it was." was but it's brilliant. I, oh, it's it is absolutely. From the moment they first arrived in that part of the world, and you go, "This is geniusly well yeah. done." Yeah. Like I absolutely adore that part of the film. And it's something. And when the group is in that scenario, it's something that we can all relate to. It's like you've got the folk that understand it, they've seen it a million times, yeah. and they get it. But then you've also got the other person. And it's like, oh, shit, I hate horror movies. Yeah, yeah, like, what's that button do? Like, don't press the fucking button. <laughs> so, like, again, I thought, I thought that scene was like, it's absolutely brilliant. I thought yeah. I loved it. The third one, when I try to get the sort of the main finale, try to get the mountain talk and stuff like that, which is pure. Like, I'm not a big smell my face. That bit when he stands alone, he starts, he shouts, and he just holds the radio above his head and he starts a song. Yeah. yeah and it's, yeah. it's just fucking just streaming in. It's just absolutely phenomenal. Like, I was just, just so happy. And that whole battle scene with the DeLorean flying through, people were throwing Chucky dolls out there, and like, there's like Halo people running about. There's like oh, fucking just... giant Mecha Godzilla taking on like a giant <laughs> fucking Voltron robot with an Iron Giant in it. Iron Giant, it's I just, remember these things. It's, yeah. it's just like, this is everything you want. And I, like, I was so happy watching it. Like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's just so much fun. And that's what I liked about it. Spielberg is. For me, he's the greatest director of all time. I love everything Spielberg does. I don't think I've ever disliked a Spielberg film. He hasn't been this balls out fun for a while. Tintin, I thought it was a shit ton of fun. No one has really went for it a lot, but I love Tintin. It's a great film. But probably not since Jurassic Park in '93 had he not been just pure, unadulterated. I want to have fun. Yeah, yeah. And it almost came from a place where people were kind of going, "Is Spielberg done with the big blockbuster? Can he still do it?" You know, like the other directors are can do it better. And he's like, he's like, motherfucker. I invented this. Yeah, yeah. I invented the, the box office movie. I will show you how it's done. And he comes out with one film. Well, also making another film at the same time. He wrote he this and the post at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So while he's making another film, he goes, I'm going to do this as well. Yeah. And I'm going to show you how this shit is done. And he just absolutely destroyed like, everybody. <laughs> like, that, is, that is the way the man rolls. That is awesome. I think it is. I think Ready Player One is also top of the box office. Oh, yeah. Ramped it up, yeah. I was heartbroken last week and I forgot to bring it up that it. Pacific Rim had knocked Black Panther off the top spot. Oh, did it? And then I was, I was like, what the, what's happened there? But Black Panther's been out for about five weeks, so that four weeks. Uh, so and by that point, everyone has seen, seen it already, it. yeah. <laughs> Pacific Rim of all movies. Yeah, but but something had to roll up eventually. Luckily enough, um, Ready Player One swooped in. Yeah, Ready Player One. Easter eggs is one of the films I think you've got to watch again on pause, almost doing free frame, because yeah, yeah. there is so much stuff in it. Like, do, you, do you think it's going to get a sequel? I hope not. There's no need for a sequel. I think it's one and done. It, I, hope, I, I think any sequel will not have Spielberg involved in it for a start. Yeah. And I think there's no need for it. It pretty much ties, it ties up nicely at the end. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got the definitive conclusion yep. that you're content with and makes sense. You don't really need to do anything else with it. You know, that's what happened is happened and it's, it's totally it's finished. Yeah. So, um, Simon Pegg's character. Mm-hmm. In the book, he has a stronger uh, a stronger role to play yes, bringing all, yeah. the, all the kids together I wish that had happened in the movie he plays he's much more of a puppet master yes in the book than he is in this yes in this there's a little bit of a puppetry motion from him because he plays an odd character in the film yeah yeah but it's not he's not guiding almost but not quite guiding just sort of like sort of nudging in the right direction yes. yeah 
Um, yeah, but in the book, he's much more of a, sort of, he's a deliberate force in the book. Ah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of think this version of the character made sense more. Because okay. like, in the book, you kind of wonder, going, why would he make, why would he be good to them over anybody else? Like, what yeah. makes him special? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's why in this, I think this, kind of, this version of it was, I think, I enjoyed it, I actually enjoyed it more. Yep. Um, so, overall, what do you think out of 10? Easy. Eight. eight. Easy eight. Easy eight. Maybe even a nine. Maybe a nine. Just because of the sheer fun. That's thing. Balls it's, to the wall. Does the story make 100% sense? Probably not. Is a plot holes? That absolutely is. Is it the fucking funnest film been out for a long time? It is ridiculous amount of fun. In a world that's pretty much succumbed to superhero movies, that's just heavy being and they're not always building a grand or stage. And all trying to and they, I told like, making it real and all that kind of stuff, yeah. It was just good to have something that's so far the other way that's just silly, uh-huh. full of references that a lot of people will get. Yeah, yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, if you cannot enjoy the, the DeLorean racing Mad Max's car and and uh, uh, the Tron bike uh, yes and also a Bigfoot the monster truck monster truck thing yep <laughs> while getting chased by a T-Rex and also King Kong if you can't enjoy that there is something infinitely wrong with you yeah, you know yeah. that's that's the level this film's at you know um, but yeah so I give it 10 out of 10 like I absolutely adored it I loved it from start to finish it really bought everything about it and bought in for me um, I'm annoyed I haven't seen it since I want to go back and see it again oh, really? yeah. so I'm hoping that I'm going to see it tomorrow depending on what plans are but I, like, I absolutely loved it I don't know if it's just because uh, up in Glasgow the school kids are off but I know even our local cinema it is, it's the main movie for this week yeah. it's good showings like almost at every couple of hours yeah it's massive yeah so there's not much I was surprised at how much it dominated because I thought other films might try and squeeze in against it because of some reasons I think they've just timed it perfectly it's like they've kind of came out at the end of the cusp of Black Panther yep and before before Avengers comes out before we hit uh, solo movie Deadpool it's just found that nice little niche moment. Yep. Kind of like what Jimmy Wonder Woman did last year. Find a little moment. And I think it's a film that I, like parents who are in their 30s are going to take their kids to go and see as well. Because mm. they want their kids to see what they love to know their kids. Yeah. And that's where they'll get an audience from as well. And it's not a particularly violent movie. Like, I think you could actually get away with like, even... I don't even know the age rate. I think it's 12. I think it's 12. But I, I really do believe younger kids could see oh, it. Oh, totally. And enjoy it. And then enjoy there's, it. There's one F-bomb in it. Right, but one is a good F bomb. <laughs> you remember the one bit with Chucky? That's right. It's a phenomenally good F bomb. Like that's really, that's really. Cool. Like Spielberg doesn't do the F bomb very often, but that worked really well. Yeah, but like, yeah. that's really funny. <laughs> um, so it, there's nothing really violent. There's no sexual stuff in it. No. So it's like it's totally, it's, it's very family friendly. And it is very, it's like it's very linear. So kids would probably totally follow it. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People have compared it as like the hook, in the sense of like so visually stunning and yeah. just. People, maybe critics not loving it as much, but fine. But people going, I love this. It's great. This is what I want to see. This is, I'm not looking for the. I'm not looking for you know war and peace. I'm looking to be entertained for 90 minutes or yeah, two yeah. hours roughly, and I'm entertained for two hours. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, 10 out of 10 for me. 8 out of 10 for you. Oh, but definite. 10 out of 10. Definite 10 out of 10. Because I, like I said, there's bits like, the fact that the War of the World ship in it at one point. I'm like, oh my god, the War of the World ship in it. Yeah. Like, I love that movie. That's in the 50s, and I'm like, that's um, that's almost put in there for me. Like, yeah. Only means people going. I want that. I'm like that. Well done, Stephen. That is, that is. You've made me happy by putting that in there. That was worth the mission. That was generally. I'm generally. I've actually just turned it on and smiled. I'm like. I did. I, I did find myself doing it. Though I have. I have seen online that uh, 
a lot of folk have been uh, criticising other cinema goers for like constantly turning to other people and uh, referencing but I happen to be that guy as well right. <laughs> but luckily enough me and Stacey had the cinema all to ourselves oh, because nice. we've seen it at it was like a Wednesday night or something like it was like when it was first released right. general release right. uh, we seen it and <laughs> we had no place to ourselves nice. so it was perfectly acceptable to turn and go so, yeah, I'm actually just watching two people going hard at it across oh my god they are people <laughs> on winching they are yeah but she can't even really stand it's like my god <laughs> it's like that picture from Times Square yeah. I'm like what are you and like Glasgow on Renfield Street <laughs> like, like... <laughs> yeah so I did find myself like turned into sexy people. Does she know what rough moments of stuff was? Yeah, she picked up on her like the kind Because she's not as big a pop culture fan as us. No. And now is Jill, but Jill liked it, Jill loved it, she does a lot yeah. of fun. Did, did Stacey enjoy it as well? Oh she absolutely loved it. To the point where I almost convinced her to come on the podcast. Did she almost, yeah? Even though she hates her voice, I almost convinced her. Because she wanted to talk about this film? Yep. Oh no. Because that's how much she liked it. And, and yeah. I think it's a film also Jill's mentioned Super Scoon you see it as big as possible oh, yeah. I, would, I, would probably, I, would, I would benefit from that as well yeah. Yeah. I might need to go and see it again I'm definitely going to see it again um, and looking at next week we're going to look at it now so basically go and see Ready Player One because it's fucking brilliant <laughs> and it's immense it could be the new Paddington of this film podcast today. oh on Paddington annoyingly they found a, no, a, a look at the box office numbers and Peter Rabbit has outstripped Paddington like 41 wow which is really annoying because I don't think it's anywhere near as good it's because uh, Peter Rabbit had all that controversy about it so people I had think, to see the controversy I think also just trying to get a, like it's a big budget not big budget but bigger marketing budget and also it's got like a cast of people people know yeah <coughs> Paddington's not it's very British Paddington very British Paddington as well because um, I talked to Stu who's, who took his kid to see it and he was a kid loved it he had to be both silly whereas Paddington both fun I love it anyway enough like, enough Paddington love it we've got Paddington enough if you don't know we like Paddington by now there's a problem every week every week is a Paddington alright so, like, so next week we've still got out we've got Blockers is out yes which is getting fantastic reviews it's not annoying when it's not called Blockers but it's like was it a couple of decks of Kevin Smith movie that was supposed to be made and like something just, just for for reasons to change the titles, which I, I cannot understand. Yeah, no. It's all got the cock on the the, the poster, so you can you get it there if you want to. But so it's still out. Peter Rabbit's still out, which I don't really think I'm going to go and see, to be honest. Um, and Duck Duck Goose is out, which I've not seen. I don't think I'm going to go and see it. Animation, kiddie animation looks like. Um, hopefully, Colin goes and sees it, and he can talk about it yeah, yeah. next week. Um, but out new, proper next week, we've got A Quiet Place. Okay, that's a horror movie. I'm horror about. movie with uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. I've heard good things about it, and that's definitely not for me. So. It, you're not like a horror fan? I am not a horror, horror movie fan. Okay, um, this is a bad week. There's two horror films out already. Uh, a Quiet Place, look, I'm looking forward to it. Looks really good. You've got Ghost Stories, which is another horror film with Martin Freeman and Paul Whitehouse, I think, is in it. Is that the British one? British one, yeah, yeah. It looks getting good reviews, excellent reviews, in fact, so I'm really looking forward to that one as well. You've got Love, Simon, which is a sort of a gay high school romance one, which it, it's got a lot of sweetness, a lot of kind of good reviews about it, so I'm kind of intrigued by it. I think it's done by Greg Berlanti, okay. the guy who did like Flash and Supergirl and all that kind of stuff on TV just now, so based on that, I'm kind of intrigued by it because I, I like his work. Yes. Um, you've got Deathless. Yes, the remake. Uh, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis yeah, yeah. by Eli Roth, the remake of the 1970s odd sort of cult classic, cult it's classic. Got potential. It has, 
Bruce Willis is one of those guys. If you can get if you can get who can engage Bruce Willis, he can be a really he can be phenomenal on screen. You know, he can watch stuff like Looper recently. He can be very engaging. But if he's not in the mood for it, he can really phone it in and become really tough to watch. I really hope this is one of these movies that he's wanted to do it because mm. he loves the original film. From, uh, he loves the Charles Bronson film and he really wants to do it, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. If not, it's going to be very phoned in, I think. Um, and also you've got a film called Thoroughbreds is out. Uh, which is it's the last film by Anton Yelchin, the guy, the boy who played um, Chekhov in Star Who Died recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about two sisters or two friends and I think somewhere in like Hollywood or something, spoiled kids who I think taught a murder or something like that. I think it's something like that. It looks very sort of indie, very kind of, sort of kind of witty and clever, kind of almost cluelessly with a murder twist. Okay. But it looks, it looks good. I, I saw the, I saw the, the, I heard the reviews for it. I did done well at Sundance and South by Southwest. Not getting a wide release up here. Getting a couple of shows here and there. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready to go see it. But that's it for this week, Barry. You tell people where to find us. Do you know the addresses? Yes. Do you know the addresses? A whole four. Okay. You can find us on Twitter at uh, Three Beers and a Movie. That's number three. Yes. And also Facebook at Three Beers and a Movie. Yep. And uh, Instagram at Three Beers and a Movie. Yes. And Three Beers and a Movie at gmail.com. Can you give me an email yet? Um, so that's good. So that's the Facebook page. I've been Richard Laird. You've been. Daniel. And we have been.